0: Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Today, we're joined by our very own Justin Kitabe as he finishes off our series, Fan Favorites. If you missed today's Bible Study, be sure to be here next Tuesday as we kick off a brand new series as we travel through the Book of James. Now, let's hear from Justin Kitabe. I think the bar has been raised (laughs) with that uh, welcome. I will sit down because uh, I, I move a lot when I speak. So, sitting down will help me be in one place, and uh, it's a pleasure for me to be here and to speak to the men, men of God, and uh, just uh, encourage each other in the Lord. As the day of the Lord draws near, Jesus is coming back again. I know that uh, with so many things happening in life, it's very difficult to even think he's coming back because uh we are so busy with other things but you know the day of the lord the bible says he will come like a thief in the night but for those who are in the light he won't come like a thief in the night because we'll be expecting him to come and hopefully we can he will find us being busy with the father's uh, business and so it's a pleasure for me to be here and just to Talk about uh, Jesus and talk about the word of the Lord, encourage each other. Uh, Last uh, Sunday, uh, my last born daughter just got married. So it was a busy uh, time. And so if I I don't do as well as I should, you just know that I've been busy and I'm tired. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I gave him some wrong scriptures to be able to read, like Jonah five. Jonah doesn't go up to five, but I, I gave him Jonah five, and I also gave him Third Chronicles, and and uh, you know we don't go to the Third Chronicles; it's just the Second Chronicles. So that just tells me how. Tired I was over the weekend, but the Lord is good. He refreshes us every day of our lives. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, and He is able to quicken our mortal bodies. And it's a pleasure for me to share this time with you. I'm going to talk about uh, expanding our capacity. Expanding our capacity. And I hope and pray that uh, the Lord will be able to teach us from his word. So we're going to go straight in the word of God. Okay, we're going to start with Isaiah 54. Then later on we'll get to the first one, which is Acts 24. Isaiah 54, reading from the New International Version. Isaiah 54, verse 2. This is a prophetic uh, um, word. He says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. In other words, there's something that God is planning to do with the children of Israel, and he tells them to be able to get ready for what he's about to do. And the thing he tells them, them to do is to expand their capacity. Expand, enlarge the place of your tent. If your tent has been small, God says, enlarge it, because I want to do something among you. And always God, before God does something, when you read through scripture, we find that before he does things, he tells the people with whom he's going to do some wonderful things to be ready to prepare for what he is about to do. And in this case, he's about to do something among the children of Israel. He tells them to enlarge the place of their tent, meaning the tent that you are in right now cannot contain what I want to do. And so before before I do it, there is something that you have to do. And that is you are going to enlarge your capacity, so that the capacity that you enlarge will accommodate what God is about to do. There is always preparation when God wants to do something. Always he puts some responsibility upon the people that he wants to work with, the the things that he wants to do. And so that is the... Uh, The verse of scripture that we start with, I'm going to go to the second scripture, which is 2 Kings chapter 4 from verse 2 to 6. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. This is what the word says. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? The story is that uh, Elisha has come to this uh, widow. The widow has a need in her life. The husband died and he left a lot of debt. And the creditors are coming to pick up her two sons. So she's going to lose her two sons because of the debt that her husband owed. And so she comes to Elisha and asks Elisha to help her to help the man of God's wife. And he says, Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Whenever God wants to do something, he always wants to find out something that we own, something that is in our hands. When you look at Moses, for instance, in the Old Testament, when God... uh, showed himself to him through the burning bush, he asked him, what do you have in your hand? Many times what God is going to use in our lives is not something that we are going to acquire. It is something that is already there. Something that probably we even despise. Maybe it's one of the, our weaknesses in our lives, and God says, I want to use that. I want to use that. What do you have in your house? The man of God asked the, the lady, and the lady says, your servant has nothing there at all. I have nothing and then she says, Except a small jar of oil, olive oil. That's the only thing. You can see that she despises the little oil that she has when she says, Your servant has nothing. But I have a little oil. And so God wants to expand the capacity of what she has. Elisha said to her in verse 3, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. She kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. The oil flowed to the capacity the woman was able to have or bring before God. So if she had another, another uh, jar, the oil could have continued flowing. So this tells us that uh, Whatever God wants to do in your life, you are the key to how much God would be able to do in your life. Because he wants to do more. The Bible talks about him doing exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what we can imagine, according to the power that is at work in us. So God always wants to do more. In this case... He was limited by the amount of jars that this woman had. So the oil stopped when there was no other jar to fill. If more jars were there, the oil would have continued coming out of that container where there was little oil. Because God... Wants to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we can imagine, according to the power that is at work in us. 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 17 to 19. 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 17 to 19. Okay, this is uh, the, 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 the king has been, you know, he's, he's a, he was going to attack another nation, the king of Israel. And so the prophet Elisha is instructing him on how it's going to be done, how he's going to win this uh, war or this battle. So he says to him, open the east window he said, and he, the king, opened. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, declared Elisha. You will completely destroy the Aramini, Aramins at Apek, You will completely destroy them. And then verse 18 says, And he said, Take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, Strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God, Elisha, was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But you will defeat it only three times. In other words, king, expand your capacity so that you can completely defeat Aram. You only struck the ground three times. You should have continued to strike the ground, not only three times. And the prophet was angry. So the key to completely defeating Aram lay in the hands of the king. If the king had done more of the striking the ground, he was going to completely Destroy Aram. But he stopped on the third time that he was striking the ground. And the prophet was angry. In other words, the prophet was saying to him, expand your capacity, expand your capacity so that you can contain what God wants to do in your life and the life of the Israelites. To the widow woman, expand your capacity, get some more, some more containers so that the oil will keep flowing because God wants to do great things in your life. Expand your capacity. I heard of a story and I told, I told this story at the wedding when I was giving the speech on Sunday. The story is that there was a man who went fishing and as he was fishing, somebody was observing him. He threw the, the, road, the, uh, the line into Lake Tacoma and he started taxoma. And he started reeling in the fish. And so he would catch the fish and look at it, and he had a measuring stick. So he would measure that uh, fish, and if it was within the length of the stick, he would put it in his bucket. If the fish was larger or longer than his measuring stick, he would throw the fish back in. And so this man was observing. He was like, what is happening? I thought he would get the big fish and, you know, go with it back home. Why is he throwing in bigger fish and returning the fish that just uh, measures to his uh, measuring stick? And so he had the boldness to go and ask him and find out why he was doing something that seemed abnormal to the guy who was watching him. And so he told, the, he, told this, he told this man and said, oh, actually I have a small pan at home. <laughs> and the pan is the size of this measuring stick. So every fish that goes beyond this cannot fi- uh, fit my pan. That's why I throw it back and keep the ones that will fit my pan. I will demonstrate something. Okay, this is like Taksoma. <laughs> and this is my pan. Here is my measuring stick. And this measuring stick goes exactly like my pan. So every fish that I catch, I measure it with this. Let me let me fish a little bit here. I fish this, which is Psalm 91. Everybody loves Psalm ninety-one. So I measure it here and it fits my stake, so I am taking it home with me. I fish again. Salvation. Everybody loves to talk about salvation, how Christ came into our lives, how Christ changed us. So I love it. It fits my stick. And so I'm gonna go with him to my home. Gonna go with that fish to my home. Then apparently I I fish out money. We don't talk about money in the church. So I measure it's beyond my measuring stick. I throw it back. Can't talk about it because it doesn't fit my measuring stick. I go fishing again and I fish eternity. Eternity. Everybody wants to talk about how it will be glorious when we meet Jesus Christ. It is a good subject to talk about. So it fits my measuring stick. And so what do I do? I put it in my, it's gonna go home with me. Acts chapter 20, verses 26 to 27. Acts chapter 20. Verses 26 to 27. It says, this is Paul, he's saying, almost saying bye to the, to the Ephesians, uh, Ephesian leaders. He called for the Ephesian leaders to come where he was and he's giving them this long speech, how he should, they should care for the, the body of Christ and so on and so forth. And so he says to them, therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. This is the fun guy that I'm talking about, Paul. Most of us would like to be like Paul. I wouldn't like to be like Paul. Paul had a very difficult life even though he did great things for God. I think the path that God chose for him was a hard path. I like him because he persevered. He persevered. He did what God wanted him to do. And God had told uh, the guy that went to pray for him when he got saved, he told him, I will show him how many things he has to suffer for my name's sake. And so Paul says to them, verse 27, For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. I've talked about everything that you need to know that are important to live in the kingdom of God. And some of those things are what I'm throwing back. Nobody wants to talk about money in the church, so I throw it back. Nobody wants to talk about divine healing in the church. I throw it back. Nobody wants to talk about sexuality in the church. So I throw it back. But Paul says, I have declared to you, proclaimed to you everything that you need. Everything. And I'm free of your blood. Because I have not hesitated to tell you things, some things. I've told you everything. In the church, we pick and choose what things that we're going to talk about. We pick and choose things that, you know, will be good to our listeners. I, 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 we appreciate the, our pastor, John Mark, for him being just blunt with us and just say it as it is, you know. But we are afraid as a church, even when we are reading uh, the scriptures by ourselves, there are certain scriptures we don't, we skip because it's a hard scripture or it's something that we don't believe or it's something that has been, hasn't been uh, taught about. So we skim over that and go to things that we are comfortable with. But Paul says, I have not hesitated to tell you the whole counsel of God, the whole will of God for your lives. I go back fishing, and this is what I want to talk about in my last words. It's part of the counsel of God. Jesus said in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16. I'm sorry, I skipped the verse there. Okay. Was it a wrong one as well? Okay. I skipped Matthew 9, verse 13 to 15. Sorry about that. Well, basically what the Scripture says, the Scripture says... When you fast, when you fast. When I was taught English from first grade, and I think fifth grade, we were taught that when means that there's no option. It will happen when you fast. It's not like if you fast. If, that's an option. But when the Bible says when you fast, Jesus is preparing his disciples. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But Jesus talks about fasting to his disciples. In fact, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and said, How come your disciples don't fast? We fast, and the Pharisees fast, but how come your disciples don't fast? And Jesus' response was, How can the bridegroom's men fast while the bridegroom is around? The time is coming when they will fast. The time is coming when they will fast. So meaning that Jesus is telling his disciples, there is coming a time when you guys will be able to fast. And in 2 second, in second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 27, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 27, Paul says in, in fasting often. He says, I, I've been in fasting often. And it distinguishes it from just being hungry. There is no food. It says, in hunger, in thirst, more often, in fasting, more often. Fasting is a, is a deliberate decision that we make to do away with food in a certain time. So fasting is supposed to be a part of us as the church. Now, I really believe that uh, there are certain things that we can pray before God, which will, be, will definitely be answered by God if we pray according to his will. There are certain things that need us to fast in order For the thing to be accomplished, whatever we are trusting God for. You can look, you can go look at Esther, Esther chapter 4, verse 16. I'll just talk about it. Esther chapter 4, verse 16. Okay, I'll I'll read it here. Go gather together. This is uh, Esther's, uh, the Jews are about to be killed. And so. Uh, Esther's uncle tells her, you have to plead for the Jews. You have to go in and plead for the Jews. And it was not time to see the king. If you go to see the king at a wrong time, when the king has not invited you to come and see him, they'll kill you. So Esther knew she was going to be a dead person if she went before the king without the king's invitation. And so this is where she's responding to her, her, her uncle. She says, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She calls upon the Jews to take some time to seek God in prayer and in fasting so that she can be protected so that she doesn't get killed and the jews don't get killed so that the jews can be free she proclaims a fast for three days we know about jonah in jonah chapter 3 verse 5 jonah was sent to Nineveh by god to go and preach and jonah was angry with the Ninevites because they were living in sin. And so he didn't want to go and preach to them. He he was expecting judgment from God because they were living a life of sin. And so God sends Jonah to go and preach to the Ninevites and he escaped. We know the story. And then God deals with him, he's back, he's repentant and he's back and he goes to preach to the Ninevites and when the Ninevites heard the the message, they proclaimed a fast for everybody within the city. And God, in that repentance, God heard them and spared the judgment that was supposed to come on the Ninevites. The other place where we see Second 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse three, Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 3. Here are five nations that are coming against the children of Israel to clear them from the face of the earth. And Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, hears about it, and he was, he, he was afraid, he was fearful, and this is uh, what the Bible reports. Alarm Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. He proclaimed a fast. There is something that happens when people of God fast before God in sincere fasting. I don't know why God put fasting as something that we as a church must do, but... It is all through scripture. You find Paul and uh, Barnabas when they were when they were at the church in Antioch. The Bible says that the church was in fasting, in prayer, and fasting. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to them, "Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have called them to do." It was in the midst of f- prayer and fasting, and also. When you, uh, in most cases, when Paul, they were installing leaders, they prayed and fasted before God. The church, the early church, observed prayer and fasting as as a part of their discipline as disciples of Christ. God wants us to expand our capacity, things that we don't talk about. He wants us to talk about them. Because when you talk about, for instance, uh, 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 you talk about sexuality, because we don't talk about it, the world has taken it to another level. We don't talk about divorce in the church. We have been attacked in different ways because we don't address these issues among ourselves and see how we can overcome. And so my challenge today, uh, uh, gentlemen, is for us to look at uh, uh, fasting as a way of life for us as believers. There are some things that will never be done until we fast. Now, before you fast, obviously you have to talk to your doctor if you've never done it before. Always uh, seek medical advice so that you don't do it wrongly and die while seeking God. Whenever I'm saying this, in all humility before God, whenever the year comes, I give myself in January to fast before the Lord. Some people ask me, how come you're always joyful? How come you, you, uh, there's something about your life? When you spend time with God... When you really spend time with God, with all sincerity, there is no way that uh, you know. They, 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 you you will struggle with the works of the flesh, but somehow you will overcome them, or have the grace to walk through that uh, uh, to walk through that uh, weakness, and God will deliver you. The first time I spoke to the men here, I told you God delivered me from the spirit of lust. I was in a terrible shape. And I went into prayer and fasting to seek the Lord because prayer only, I had prayed over it. I had prayed over it. Nothing was changing. I was still bound. And then I proclaimed a fast before the Lord and God delivered me completely. There are certain things in our lives that will not go away until we come before the Lord in prayer and fasting. You remember Jesus was, uh, uh, the disciples of Jesus were casting out demons and they couldn't cast out demons and then uh, they uh, uh, they came, uh, they Jesus came and he cast out the demons after the the gentleman who had brought his son uh, pleaded with him, and so the disciples couldn't couldn't just see why why didn't we cast out the demons? And they asked him privately, and he says, this type does not or this kind does not just come out, but by prayer and fasting certain versions don't include fasting, but by prayer and fasting. And I've seen how fasting makes a difference. I live a life of fasting when we start the year, in the middle of the year, and when we finish the year. It has great benefits for us as believers, not only spiritually, but also health-wise. And so I just challenge every one of us to look at things that we browse over and let's address them and let's look at them. What does the Bible mean by this? Even if I may not understand today, but what does the Bible mean? God, Paul said, I have declared to you the whole counsel, the whole counsel of God, I'm free of your blood. I've told you everything. And so we as a church must must address ourselves, especially to issues that we don't talk about in church. We need to talk about issues because some of us are struggling with lust. Some of us are struggling with things that we need somebody, but we are embarrassed to talk about them. We need to find a way of addressing these issues in the church and it's going to be healthy for us as a church. We're going to defeat the enemy in most of the areas that we struggle with because we are addressing those issues that we are afraid to talk about. So, in closing, I have to change My pan. I have to bring a bigger pan so that I can accommodate the things that I've been throwing back into the sea. And my life will be blessed because now I'm keeping the great fish, the bigger fish. I'll feed more with bigger fish. I'll influence more with bigger fish. as you face the day to day, gentlemen, let's go and expand our capacity so that God can do what he wants to do with each one of us. Let's pray together. Eternal God and loving Father, we are so grateful that you have given us a time to talk about issues and things that pertain to your kingdom I thank you for your grace that comes to us every moment of our lives, even to help us in things that we cannot do or which we haven't done before. I pray, Lord God, that by your spirit, you may teach us. Teach us these things. Help us to address issues that affect our lives day by day. That we may not coil in the corner and just uh, suffer under the attacks of the enemy. Lord, I thank you that, oh God, you want to do great and mighty things in us. We ask that, oh God, you will minister to us by your spirit. Let the Holy Spirit speak to each one of us. Father, for those of us that need to address issues, I pray that you'll help us find somebody that we can confide in and just uh, talk about some things that trouble us. <laughs> Lord, we give you honor and we give you praise. I pray for these men, O oh God. I pray that you'll use them to extend your kingdom. I pray that, O oh God, the calling that you have upon each one of us will be made sure and we will walk in it fulfilling that call upon our lives whatever it may be we give you honor and we give you praise bless these men and their families in jesus name amen thanks for listening to today's bible study for more information regarding cottonwood creek go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.